Right, let's stand and give God some praise this morning. How about we get on to our feet and we just give God glory and honor this morning for what a wonderful day it is. I don't know about you, I'm enjoying a little sunshine instead of rain all the time. It's been some beautiful weather. So let's give God thanks for this. Amen.
of kings and the Lord of lords that has saved you. Amen.
my chains break at the weight of your glory I needed shelter, I wasn't nothing Now you call me a citizen of heaven When I was broken, you were my healing Now your love is the air that I'm breathing I have a future, my eyes are open Cause when you call my name What a glorious day that our God, our Lord and Savior shed his blood to make a way for us to come out of the grave. That he's defeated death, hell and the grave. We're no longer bound by sin. We're no longer bound by the grave. But it's been defeated. It's been defeated by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. By the name of Jesus, the name above all names. When he went down and defeated Satan and ripped off the authority, took off every everything that he had, every power from him, he took it away. And the name of Jesus is above all and every other name. Amen. Because I just swore to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind Cause I know there's peace within your presence I speak Jesus And I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Your name is power Your name is healing Your name is life Break every stronghold Shadows burn like fire. Amen. And I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Amen. Over fear and all anxiety. To every soul held captive by depression.
I just want to speak. And I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Yes, over fear and all anxiety To every soul held captive by depression Oh, I speak Jesus Your name is power And your name is healing Your name is love Break every stronghold Shine through the shadows Burn in the darkness over every enemy and Jesus for my family I speak the holy name Jesus let's sing that again shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets and Jesus in the darkness for every enemy Shout Jesus for my family I speak the holy name Jesus Break every strong hope, shine through 
shudders at. There is no other name that heals the sick. There is no other name that abolishes cancer. There is no other name that brings deliverance from addiction. There is no other name but the name of Jesus. There is no other name that delivers you, that provides for you, that gives you what you need. There is no other name that every demon in hell trembles at. Only the name of Jesus that has defeated death, hell, and the grave. Oh, your name. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is love. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. Oh, let's tell him again. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows, burn like a
for you a place of praise a place of worship to come and be with us come rest in this place father let us worship at your feet we welcome your spirit in this place we welcome your spirit in this place Fill this place, come and fill this place. Father, we repent. We repent for our agendas that we come with sometimes. We repent, Father God, for this, this broken people. God, forgive us. Come and wash us clean. out these vessels father spirit break out come loose on earth what is loosed in heaven spirit break out break our walls down 
spirit break out Heaven come down Tear down the walls that we've put around our hearts They keep out everything, including you feeling pressed of the spirit of the Lord as we're singing that song spirit break out break our walls down I, I hear and I see the Lord Jesus standing on one side of a door and he said I have come to set you free but I will not break down the door. I will knock and I will call. But you must open that door. And I sense the Spirit of the Lord saying, there's some of you here. He has begun a good working in you. And yet you have closed certain areas of your life. You've closed off doorways, entryways to your heart that God says, you want me to break out, but you won't let me in. And there cannot be a breakout within yourself if you will not allow me to come in. Have I not shown my goodness towards you? Have I not shown that I am for you and I am not against you? Therefore, what is it that you fear that you will not open everything to me? Why you say you welcome me and yet you close me off from certain areas in your life? This day is the day that you have longed for. It is the day that I have longed for that you would open the door, that you would come to the place where you would say, today, Jesus, I give you full access to my life. I surrender. I open the door willingly and ask you, come in and do your work in me. I just really sense I want the worship team to continue to play this song. And I want to take a few moments right now. And if that word is speaking to you, it's speaking to you. I want you just to come forward right now. You don't have to say anything to me or anyone else. But what you're doing is you're coming forward and saying, Lord, I open the door. I'm not keeping any doors closed. I'm not... I'm not partitioning off any part of my life. I'm saying, come. I'm coming now, Lord Jesus. I'm surrendering every area of my life, every aspect of my life. There is nothing off limits anymore. I want you, God. I want you, Jesus, more than anything else in my life. And I want every 
doorway, every wall, everything that would separate us, I want it to be broken down right now. And I am coming forward and saying, Lord, tear it down right now. I agree right now. It is to be torn down right now. There'll be no separation between us right now. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, I want you to come right now. And we're just going to simply agree and pray with you. We're going to continue to worship because there's an anointing in this place to break down the walls, break down the doors, to break down the separation of things in your life between you and the Lord. I'm not saying you don't love God. I'm saying it's time to get all of it out of the way. It's time to let God do what he wants to do. Come on now. Come on. Come on. This is your moment. This is your day. This is your opportunity right now. Come on. Come on. Come on. Watch behind you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. 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 God, I break it. Right now. Right now. All the doorways. Every door. Every wall. Every partition. Every separation. I break it down right now. God, come in. Take control right now. Look at this. Look at this. Look what God is doing. Look what God is doing. Amen. Come on, prayer team. Come on. Come on. Let's let's pray with them now. Come on. Come on. Come on. Jesus. Holy Spirit. Spirit. Right now, Lord God. Right now. Touch them, Lord. Touch them, Lord. Touch them, Lord.
you. We praise you, Lord. Let this house be lifted up in praise and worship. For he enthrones himself in the midst of his people and upon their praises. Come on, church. Come on. Let's, let's continue to worship for a few moments here. Come on. Come on. Lord, we praise you. Rejoice. Rejoice. 
can do in five years and that's nothing wrong with counselors I'm just telling you Holy Spirit has the way of coming in John the Baptist said the one that comes after me he will come with Holy Ghost fire and that he will clean house he's coming in to clean house and, and, and that's what I saw he said but I'm standing at the door knocking waiting for you to open the door I will not break it down and that's a word for every one of us when God begins to deal with us he's not going to force himself on us he will love and he'll speak to us just like a parent would speak to their child and say, I want to show you something. I want, to, I want to deal with something here. And we can rebel or we can lock ourselves in a room saying, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to see that. 
or we could just open the door and let them come in and set things in order. Now see, some people will look and say, oh, this is out of order. No, no, no. This is in God's order. Jesus said that I came to set the captive free. I came to heal the brokenhearted. I come to preach the good news. And that's what God's doing here. He knows the moment. He knows the place and the time for each and every one of us. And I'm just here to tell you, I, I never know what God's going to do when we come together. But I know God's going to do something. And it, it, you know what? If it's like this, that's fine. If it's something else, that's fine. Because God, you can't put them in a box. Come on now. You can't put God in a box. Amen. How many of you are so glad that the Holy Ghost is still working today? <laughs> you know, you, would you believe there are people today who call themselves Christians and they say, Holy Spirit doesn't work like he did in the book of Acts. Once we got the Bible, he stopped working like that. Well, I want to tell you, that word is God breathed, and there's no amen in the book of Acts. It's the only book in the New Testament that doesn't end with amen. <laughs> and amen means so be it. That means the chapters are still being written. It's still going on, my friends. And I'm so glad that we follow a God who's alive and knows us better than we know ourselves. And he knows what we need when we need it. Amen. Hallelujah. Gates of heaven, let it rain, let it rain. Open the floodgates gates of heaven, let it rain, let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. your spirit now the heartbeat of heaven let us hear feel the rain of your love feel the wind of your spirit now the heartbeat of heaven let us hear feel the rain of your love feel the wind of your spirit now the heart heaven let us hear let it rain let it rain open the floodgates of heaven let it rain open the floodgates of heaven 
Bible says in Luke chapter 24 while the disciples were on their way to Emmaus they walked with Jesus and they talked with him many of you that come on Wednesday night know that man this has just been on my heart because the Bible says in Luke chapter 24 verse 32 they asked each other were our hearts not burning within us while he talked with us oh my God were our hearts not burning within us while he talked with us on the road and open the scriptures in moments like this when Jesus steps in the room come on when Jesus comes in imagine that moment they thought where our hearts not burning within us when we look in the eyes of fire when we that's what brings about transformation when we look in Jesus's eyes and we spent time with him what a tragedy it would be what a tragedy if Jesus walks in the room and our hearts aren't set afire our hearts aren't amen. set ablaze come on amen Hey, well, this morning, it's the, it's the first Sunday of the month, so it's Mission Sunday. So we're going to do something a little different this morning. Um, we've got a video to show, but the ushers are coming now, and they're going to begin to pass out envelopes. You guys are welcome to be seated. And I'm just going to give some direction real quick. So this, this morning, we're going to be featuring a missionary who's a missionary to an unreached people group. Depending on what source you use, it says that the world's population is about 7 billion people. 7 billion people. And the tragedy is, is that 3.3 billion of those people have little to no access to the gospel. Little to no access. They're considered unreached. So this is the reason that as a church, we've committed that this year, so last year we gave about $36,000 to different missions projects around the world. But this year we've made a commitment to give more than that. We want to give about $45,000 is the goal that we're going to give to missions this year. And so one way we're going to do that is by featuring missionaries, by talking about missions. Because listen, what a tragedy it is. The Bible says in Revelation 7, 9, Behold, I saw a multitude so great that no one could number from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. Come on, somebody. Every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. So the nations are the heart of God. And so we want that to be our heart. So the ushers are coming around with envelopes right now. I'm going to show you a video. The ushers are going to be passing out envelopes. And, and what they've done, they've passed it to the, the one on the aisle. So if you want one, we'll pass it to the left. And then you'll have an opportunity to invest in this particular ministry and missions at hold. So turn your attention to the screen. And then Naomi's going to come. And she's going to tell us a little bit more about the missionary. And then we'll pray. In Latin America and the Caribbean, 
We have a little over 16 million people spread out among 405 different groups who have yet to hear a decent presentation of the gospel that they can understand. There are a wide variety of indigenous tribal groups who live in mountains, jungles, deserts, and cities, and who speak just as many different languages as there are groups. More recently, we've seen a large influx of immigrants who have come to Latin America for religious and economic purposes. Many come from parts of the world where it's been illegal to evangelize them, but we have free access in our countries. There are deaf people who need workers to come alongside and help them raise up leaders and strengthen the work. The harvest that remains is difficult. We are developing strategies to prepare people like yourself with the right tools to effectively reach each of these different groups. We're looking for workers who are up to the task of taking the gospel to resistant and hard to reach areas. So good morning. So this month we are highlighting Bob and Lisa Holloway, and they are with One Up, and One Up is an initiative for the Latin America to reach unreached people groups. Right now they are with the Quechua of the Cusco region of Peru. The Holloways started out in Mexico back in the 90s, and then they went to Venezuela and now have ended up in Peru. They have done things such as disaster relief, construction of Bible training center, church planning, evangelism, food distribution, medical teams, teaching, preaching, and showing the love of Jesus. They've said on their website that the most difficult thing is having people to help. Um, they are in some of the hardest parts. They, these unreached people live in some of the most difficult areas to get to. And many speak some languages that aren't even in written language yet. They don't even have it written down. So to get to them is very, very difficult. But there's hope because they said God has given them strategies. But the lack is the laborers. And some history behind of what's going on where they're at is uh, in the Incas, the priest have said, and it's been quoted, we see the face of a God in the mountain. So they chose that area as the religious temple site for the Inca empire. So the darkness and ceremonies that have been held there is what is holding them back, is the strongholds that are there in the area. So we're going to pray for them, and we're going to pray for the other missionaries that we do support. Like we said, this is just one of them. So the money raised today will go to all of them, but this is one. This is just one. So dear Lord, I just thank you for the Holloways. I thank you for their obedience and them saying yes to your call. Lord, they have been able to reach some of those unreached people, but there are so many more. There's so many more. Here in America, Lord, we have so many ways to hear about you, different ways, but there, there isn't. We don't even know the language. It's not even written. Lord, but it's written on your heart, and you know them. You know each and every one of them. 
And Lord, we want, we want what you want, and that is for them to be in your kingdom. Lord, I just thank you that you have given them strategies and just continue to do so. Give them things that come only from the Holy Spirit, things that they wouldn't even think that it is beyond our own mind, Lord. Just give them ways to reach. Lord, I just thank you for the workers that are coming. They said that is the hardest part. Send the laborers, Lord. Send them. Begin tugging on the hearts for those who are hearing this or the ones who are supposed to go. Lord, I just thank you that you provide for them. I thank you that you're there with them, Lord, and that you just keep strengthening, strengthening them, Lord. They have done this for many years. Just continue to be with them, Lord. Just be with them. I just thank you, and I ask you for Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Live Church. It's so great to see you. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. And if this is your first time, man, we want to welcome you. We are glad you joined us. Uh, if this is your first time, we want to connect with you. Uh, the way we do that is electronically. So we, you, can send, you can send a text message to the number 337-317. Oh, Justin, he's going to get that up for me. I always, I forgot my paper. <laughs> So if we want to connect with you, and if this is your first time, you can send a text message to the number 337-417-4123. That's the number. You can send that word connect, text that word connect, and we have a free gift for you that we want to connect with you, get to know you. Hey, and Josiah's coming at this point. He's just going to make a real quick announcement. Uh, we're trying to build the youth worship team. We want an opportunity for you guys to serve, opportunity for you guys to get connected, get plugged in. Josiah, come on real quick, make that announcement. Good morning, everybody. All right, so uh, let me pull up what Pastor Nick sent me. All right, March 12th, which is two Sundays from now, we are going to have a meeting directly after service in the youth room upstairs for any youth kid that is interested to join the worship team or do media, as well as discuss a couple camp fundraising plans that he has. So if you are a youth student and you're interested in joining the team, make sure that you and at least one of your parents are in that meeting Two weeks from now on the 12th in the upstairs room directly after service. Yeah, that's next Sunday. Next Sunday. Next Sunday. And lastly, real quick. Hey, um, this today, today. Everybody look at your name and say today. Today, 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 today. Today is the deadline to pay and sign up for our marriage conference that's that's uh, this Friday, so that's going to start Friday night. Man, it's going to be amazing. I'm telling you, you're, you're going to regret it if you miss it. You're going to look back and say, man, I can't believe I missed that. So you don't want to miss it. I'm telling you, uh, Greg and Nancy Davis, amazing communicators. Awesome. It's going to be an awesome time as they invest in our marriage, our marriages. They invest in us. They invest in, it's going to be great. We're going to have awesome food Friday night. It's going to be catered. And then that's going to be from seven to nine. We'll have childcare. Come on, somebody. And then also Saturday, we're going to have a day event where he's going to have like some breakout sessions. Um, and it's going to be, we, had, we thought it was going to go from nine to three, but it's probably going to be a little bit shorter. And then lunch will be provided as well. So don't miss that all for 25 bucks. Like that's so cheap, man. You can't even go to a steakhouse. Like you can't even go eat out for that. And so that's for you and your spouse. So you don't want to miss that. And lastly, 
Immediately following service today, uh, we, have an, uh, we have a meeting for all of the women that are going to the um, women's retreat. The women's retreat. So that's immediately following service today in the room off the foyer. We got that going on. All right, how many of you ready for the word this morning? Come on, come on, don't be shy. Praise God. Amen. And, and uh, next Sunday, uh, Greg Davis will be speaking. And uh, it will not be, I've already had some people say, well, is he going to be talking about marriage again on Sunday? And I'm like, no. Um, uh, he wrote a book a year or so ago um, called, I think it's called Standing Strong in the Storms of, Through the Storms of Life. And if, you, if I read his bio to you, it would freak you out. I mean, he's almost, he's almost died several times. His wife almost died. His kids, his adopted child. I mean, it, it, everything they've been through, I, I, I'm serious. Would, you would look at your life and go, I don't have any problems. And, and he's a gifted um, speaker, anointed. Uh, in fact, I uh, listened to him share with about 68 pastors on a Zoom call this past Thursday, and it was so simple, and, but it was so powerful. Uh, I, I was just, man, it was just such a blessing. And so he and Nancy are going to be here also on Sunday, and they'll be ministering along the thing. How do you stand strong in the storms of life? How many of you have had at least one storm in your life? Somebody, somebody said, I didn't know there was life without a storm. <laughs> you know, I mean, so they're, they're going to be ministering on Sunday also. So we're going to be blessed. Friday night, Saturday, uh, about four different sessions there, and then on Sunday morning. So I hope that you'll come. How many of you know at least one person that's going through a storm in their life? You need to bring them Sunday. You need to bring them. I'm telling you, it, it's, God's going to do something incredible that Sunday. And uh, Bob and Lisa Holloway, in case you wondered, they're Louisiana missionaries. And I was with Bob when God called them to the mission field. I led a missions trip to Venezuela in 1992. And two days before we were supposed to leave, there was an attempted government coup. We were under house arrest for several days in the hotel. And um, uh, uh, the people that were with me, most of them were first-timers on mission trips and said that I'll never do another mission trip if I ever get home. You know, literally got off the plane in Miami, people kissed the ground. You've seen people do that. They did that. And, um, but I remember the day after, uh, it was finally um, pretty much over with, and uh, order was being, we were allowed to actually leave our hotel, go across the street and get some food, because uh, we've been eating chips and, and sodas for five days. And because uh, I, I knew, I figured out what was going on the night before, and I went and bought everything in the hotel and took it to my room so that we wouldn't be cut off, at least for a few days. And um, uh, we were sitting there, and one of the persons, one of the youth, one of the youth leaders that was there said, said, I just don't understand why God would let this happen while we were here. And which is a very narrow way to see things. Like everything is about you? No, it's not. And I remember Bob sitting right next to me and crocodile tears began to run down his face as he said, 
I know why. He said, God had to leave me here five more days to break my heart for these people. And that began his journey into the mission work, into mission work. It's a powerful story. I hope to get Bob here to come tell it sometime. So, anyway, message this morning is signs of a true work of God. I, I had originally planned that this Sunday to be a vision casting Sunday, but I, I am just pulled by, by the Holy Spirit about things that are transpiring right now. And, and uh, as if, for example, as if the last three years... And I'm going to go from 19, 2019 to, through 2022. If the last three years couldn't be more sinister and demoralizing, um, then 2023 started off with a hellish bang, okay? And, and, and if you need any evidence as to the collapse of, of, of our oral society, then all you had to do was watch the Grammys uh, a, a couple weeks ago as Sam Smith's Unholy was pushed across um, the television screens all across America. And it was almost as if, one writer said, it was almost as if the devil himself took all the chips on the table and pushed them into the middle. And, and I don't know if you know this or not, but right before that uh, three-minute video show went on, CBS Network put out a tweet, and I, copped, I captured it back when they did, and I'll show you why. And it says at the top by Sam Smith, it says, this is going to be special, and I've circled in red the response from CBS Network. You can say that again, we are ready to worship. Yeah. And, 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 and you may think, listen, CBS received so much backlash from that tweet. They went online immediately and deleted it, but not until some people had captured it and had put it out there on social media. And, and here was an article just, just talking about the fact that they promoting an unholy number at the Grammys. Okay, so it's like the devil himself goes, let's just see. I'm going all in for 2023. But how many of you know the devil is not all-knowing? There's only one who is. And what he could not know and did not know was that heaven itself had its own plan. And it was about to pour out his spirit upon a sanctuary in the countryside of Kentucky, in Wilmore, Kentucky. And it almost became like uh, uh, the example of Elijah calling on the prophets of Baal and Ashereth and saying, let's see whose God is really God, okay? I mean, if you think about it, it the Grammys open the battle of the two kingdoms, if I could put it that way. They, they were showcasing this program right here and this song, Unholy, and the satanic um, was push that, was, that, that unleashed such a backlash that the three minutes, it caused, it caused a ruckus. But I want to tell you that in contrast, God broke out, and it wasn't just for three minutes. 
It went on for one day, two days, three days, one week, two weeks, three weeks, and has now been spreading all across the country as young people, students, were being set free from sin and delivered from addiction and filled with the love of our Father. And it has continued to spread. This is Lee College in Cleveland. It's, it's continued to spread. And it's not just religious universities. Texas A&M. They're meeting. I'm, I'm telling you, there's secular university in Oregon. They're meeting. They're meeting in, on the left coast. They're meeting. Students this past week got together. Hundreds of them gathered together at a university in Oregon as they began. I'm telling you, it's not like it's like one little area. You can't confine God. You can't do it. And it is spreading. And, and so uh, this past week, I, was, uh, I, I rejoiced over all these things, but I was so grieved in my spirit. And I'm sorry, I'm a little emotional about this, but I was so grieved by a video, and I'm not going to mention names, of a well-known um, conservative pastor who in his sermon began tearing down the Jesus movement of the 1970s. And then he went on to dismiss the Asbury revival and subsequent happenings that are breaking out. And he inferred that anything that dealt with that time was not a true move of God. And yet I've told you that I see divine hand of God in the timing of the Jesus Revolution movie as part of what God is doing. I don't know if you saw it or not, but last week in Florida, in a theater, after the movie was shown, this is what happened. In a secular movie theater, people began praying for one another and just began worshiping God at the end of the movie, okay? In California this past week, uh, ten, they said 10 moviegoers accepted Christ at the end of the movie, and then there was a powerful time of worship and people praying for one another and repentance taking place in the movie theater. I remember coming up and when I came into the, the more things of God, especially in the ministry, how I used to hear that, that the movie theater was a hell, hellish, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't Hollywood, it was Hollywood. And that the movie, if you were caught in a movie theater, you might as well be caught in a brothel. That's the way preachers used to preach it. And look, God said, you know what? I don't care who's in there. I'm going to speak to them. I'm going to tug on their hearts. And I'm going to receive them and let them come to me. And, 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 and many reports are streaming in of, of prayer meetings and worship meetings and times of repentance taking place. And, and so yes. Yesterday, as I, uh, Friday, I began working on this message, and yesterday, I took all day long, just, I just couldn't get away from it. And all of a sudden, I receive an article by someone, and, and with, this was the headline, Counterfeit Revival Spreading Across America. And look at the pictures. I mean, I'm like, this is counterfeit? 
I mean, how can this be counterfeit a, a revival? And, and they called it a false revival. And, and the writer stated that the Bible specifically states that a false revival will take place before the last great revival on the earth. And my friends, you really got to twist the scriptures to come up with that theology. And because I'm telling you, first of all, I teach Bible prophecy. I know Bible prophecy. And, and yes, in the last days, there will be a falling away. But there's no such thing as a false revival. There will be false Christ, and they will have false teaching. Yes, I agree with all of that. But to say that there has to be a false revival before there's a real revival, go back and read the Bible. It says that while the wheat was being sown, the enemy put tares, put weeds in among them, and they came up together. It didn't say that there was one and then the other one. Uh, man, I'm telling you, it just got me so fired up mad. I was just stomping around the house yesterday. I was like, oh, I want to. Because I said, here was a preacher who was saying anything that had to do with the Jesus movement of the 1970s was not of God and was false and, and, and tore it down. Now, I took it personal. Because last week, I told you, last week was my 53rd birthday in Christ. I was saved at the beginning of the Jesus movement in California. And so he says anything that was related to that is false. No, I know, I know in whom I have believed. I know. Come on, somebody, can you say I know? I mean, I mean, I know. I didn't know John 3.16. I didn't know a John a 3 or a 16. I didn't know anything about that. I didn't even know what had happened. But I knew that I was changed on the inside. It wasn't until the next day when I was driving with my mom up towards San Francisco and we picked up a neighbor in another town and she looked around at me and said, you did it. I said, what I did? She said, I see Jesus in you. I said, is that what it is? She goes, yes, that's what it is. What'd you do last night? I said, I just talked to him and I said, the weight of the world went up. She says, that's Jesus. I said, I didn't even know that's what it was. You say, well, oh, well, you got to know. No, you no. You, all I know is that I wasn't the same anymore. And I was delivered and I was set free. I was like, I felt like the man that Jesus told, don't tell anybody what I just did for you. Oh, yeah, like, right. <laughs> like, I'm going to keep quiet. Man, I got to tell somebody somewhere what God has done. So anyway, so here I see at work the enemy trying to rip and bring discord among the body of Christ concerning what he's doing. So my, my way of thinking, I'm sorry, it's just me, I go back and go, how can we definitely conclude that God is at work? Are, is there anything in this Bible, God's holy breathed word to us are there any signs are there any evidences if i could put it the way uh, that god is at work and so we're we're going to be looking at the the epistle uh, 
1 John chapter 4 for virtually all our answers today, okay? Because this chapter deals with this question plainly and more completely than any other part of the Bible does. And we will be able to, to see about five specific things, and I'll try not to take very long on that, um, that will help us recognize a genuine work of God and not be misled, okay? And, and we're going to look at them in the order in which uh, John wrote it in his letter, okay? So here's the first sign, and that is when honor for the true Jesus is elevated. When honor. In other words, if, if a person's honor of the true Jesus is raised, it is a sign of the work of Holy Spirit. Okay? What do I mean by true Jesus? I mean that Jesus was born of a virgin, that he lived a life without sin, he was crucified outside the city of Jerusalem, he, was, he died, he was buried, he was raised from the dead, he is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and the Gospels declare his truth, his words to be truth. This is given in 1 John 4, verses 2 through 3. He says, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Now, I mean, can you get more plain than that? <laughs> Here is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, okay? So what he's implying here is that acknowledging is more than a, pers a person just having a mental assent that, hey, do you know Bob Zanini? Yeah, I know him. You don't know me, but you know me. In other words, you know of me, but you, you don't know me, okay, right? So this, this implies more than this. It implies acknowledging that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the son of God, savior, the chosen one of the world. The word, the word acknowledge literally means to profess or confess in full agreement to align with or endorse. That's why some translations say, unless they... The Spirit confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. But I think the word confesses does, I don't know, in our mindset, at least in my mindset, being raised the way I was raised in the religion I was confessing sounds like I'm confessing a sin or confessing something in that way, like I'm uncovering something. But the word acknowledges really a better rendering. It means to confess or profess in full agreement. Okay, does that make sense? Example, Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, Jesus said, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. It, it's more than just, yeah, I know about Jesus. It's, I know Jesus. And so Jesus is saying, whoever acknowledges me, who can, aligns themselves with me, who confesses and professes and aligns in an agreement with who, who I am and what I say and what I've done, he said, I will acknowledge them in heaven before my Father. So P 
people may, may praise their own version or belief of Christ and yet have no respect of the true historical Christ. No spirit can give testimony to the true Jesus or lead men to him except the spirit of God. Why? Because the devil has a bitter and unchanging hatred for the real Jesus, especially as Savior and soon coming Lord. The devil passionately hates the story and the doctrine of redemption. He hates it. Satan would never work in, in a person's life to produce good thoughts about Jesus or even cause them to value his word and his commands. The spirit that turns the hearts to Christ is not the spirit of the serpent that has such an unchanging hatred towards Christ. And when we look at something that is happening in the religious world, and I use that word loosely, um, we need to discern, is it a work of God? And so a question that we can ask ourselves is this, are these people coming to love, honor, and esteem the real Lord Jesus more than ever? If the, answer, if the answer is yes, in other words, if people are being convinced of their need for Jesus Christ and they're being led to him, if people are, are, are believing that Christ appeared in history, if, if they are convinced that he is the son of God get, who came to save sinners, if, if they acknowledge that he's the only savior and they desperately are in need of him and if they appreciate him more than they did and love him too, you can be quite sure that is not the work of the devil. That is the work of Holy Spirit, okay? The second sign is when Satan's kingdom is attacked. See, the spirit of God must be at work if the interests of Satan's kingdom are opposed. In other words, if, the, if Satan's kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, is coming under attack, then God must be at work, okay? See, that's a sure sign. Satan's kingdom encourages sin, encourages people to cherish worldly lusts. The Holy Spirit does not, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 um, and through 5, look what it says. You, dear children, he's writing to believers, he says, are from God and have overcome them. He's talking about the worldly lust. He said, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. But he goes on. They are of the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. In other words, the Apostle John is comparing those people who are influenced by two different and opposite spirits. One spirit, Holy Spirit, is true. The other spirit, Satan and, and, and the spirits of darkness, they are false. And John shows the difference here. One spirit's from God and so overcomes the spirit of the world. 
One spirit speaks about the delights and the things of the world. So if one spirit's leading me to, to leave the ways of the world behind me and the temptations and the lust thereof behind and the other spirit is trying to drag me into it, I can tell you which one is God and which one is not. Okay? The spirit the devil is called is the one who is in the world. And that's the difference between Jesus Christ and the devil. In John 18, 36, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. And yet 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 says, Satan is called the God of this age. So what John means by the world and the things of the world, we find in 1 John 2, verse 15 and 16. He says, do not love the world or anything in it. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything, say everything, everything in the world, the cravings of sinful men, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. So it's clear that he means everything to do with sin includes corruptions and lust in, in individuals' lives. Anything they're looking to personally satisfy themselves from. And so the apostle is saying that we can safely conclude that if people are having the, the love of ordinary worldly pleasures, profits and honors lowered, and if people are discouraged from eagerly chasing after the things that used to entice them, and if people have a deep concern about eternity and eternal happiness and that comes through the gospel, and if people earnestly begin to seek God's kingdom and righteousness, and if people are convicted of their ugliness and guilt of sin, as well as the misery that it ultimately leads to, the Spirit of God is at work. Here's the thing we need to understand and remember. That the moment that you accept Christ and you surrender your life and you repent of your sins, the Bible says that you are transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the eternal kingdom of his dear son. Okay? Not only that, your sins that once condemned you have been erased eliminated, not buried, not covered up, where they could be found later, erased, terminated, gone, and that you become a new creation in Christ. Now, the moment that that happens, are you perfect? No. Christians, the minute you accept Christ, you're not perfect, you're forgiven. Okay? Let's remember that. I remember as a young pastor, I was starting a brand new church and um, somebody who had been saved a little while, had known the Lord for a little while, came to me about one of my neighbors across the street from me and, and uh, said, that couple's living in sin and they live almost right across the street from you and you haven't done anything about it. You're not a true shepherd, you're a false shepherd. I mean, we've only had a church going about four or five weeks. And now they're attacking me. And uh, we had a lady in the church who had just had a baby the week before. 
And she showed up that Sunday with her little newborn. And she was standing nearby. And I said, oh, let me see your baby. It's like I was ignoring that couple, you know. I took the baby. I said, oh, you're so sweet. You're so Oh, did you just do what I think you did? You know, and everybody was like, huh? And I held that baby up and I went, I can't believe you did that. That's not right for you to do that. You shouldn't have done that. I ought to just throw you outside right now. And the mother just grabbed the baby out of my hands and everybody was freaking out. She took the baby and I just stood there like this. They're like, Pastor Bob, you lost your mind. I said, no, I'm just trying to show how you're behaving towards that young man who just got saved two weeks ago. And he, I said, I'm here to show him the love of Jesus and to teach him the word and the Holy Spirit's here to convict. I said, why don't you take your attitude and get out? Well, do you know who we are? I said, no, because you just showed up a few weeks ago, but I'm a, I figure nothing times nothing is nothing, so you can leave. I was young. You know, I said things that probably shouldn't have said back then, you know. <laughs> you know, that week, that young man came across the street and talked to me. And, and the crazy thing is, the first week we started the church, we were driving home to Thibodeau, Louisiana, 30 miles away. And I look in the rearview mirror, and we passed a little bar that was in the Y of the road in that town. And there's a woman in a bikini at one in the afternoon pouring a can of beer over her head. That was the first Sunday. That second Sunday, she was sitting in that house church. I recognized her. The next week, she brought two of her friends. She got saved. She brought two of her friends, and one of them was this guy. And the next week, he brought his living girlfriend, and he got saved, and she got saved, and they want me to throw them out because they're... He came to me on the fifth week, about the fifth or sixth week, and he says, Pastor, he said, God's just been convicting us. I know we shouldn't be living together, but we can't afford to live separately. What do I do? I said, well, tell me what you're doing, Teddy. He says, we've hung sheets in the house and we divided the house in half and one side is my half and one side is her half. And Pastor, I'm telling you, he said, I swear, he said, we're not sleeping together. We're not doing any of that stuff since Jesus come into my life. I said that when God's gonna work it out. And, and you know what happened? That week, she got a job offer from a place right down the road where they skinned alligators and turtles and everything else. And she was able to move in with another lady who worked over there. And he got a job trapping for somebody else. He could afford to pay his rent. She could afford to pay their rent. And I said, there it is. It's done. God took care of the whole thing. Four weeks later, we're having a picnic at the people's house who wanted me to throw the baby out. And we go to dump the trash from the church picnic. And there's like 45 cans of empty beer, empty beer cans in their trash. I said, oh, we're going to have some time now. And I went and confronted them. And they tried to lie about it. Finally, they admitted, well, there's no sin in that. I said, don't throw stones. 
at others till you clean up your own life. I don't know how I get on that. Somebody need to hear that. I don't know. <laughs> but really, if the Holy Spirit is drawing people, we have to understand they're not perfect. And go look in the mirror. You're not either. I may have been following the Lord for 53 years, but I'm still not there. I'm a long ways. If you don't believe me, go ask my beautiful wife. She's sitting. Where's she sitting? She left. She went out. <laughs> But it's true. It's, it's true. The, listen, Satan is not going to convict you of sin and awaken your conscience. Listen, the conscience is God's representative in the soul. The conscience of man. What happened when Adam and Eve ate the fruit? Their conscience was awakened. And they realized they were naked and they realized they were sin, they had committed sin, and they hid themselves from the voice of God. It is always in the interest of Satan to keep our conscience quiet and asleep. But when the conscience is awakened, everything that Satan wants to accomplish is hindered. So if Satan is to lead people further into sin, would he first open their eyes to the ugliness of sin? No. Would he make them afraid of sin? No. Would he make them mourn over their past sins? No. Would he show them that they need to be delivered from sin's guilt? No. Would he make them more careful about everything they do to ensure that they don't sin in the future? No. Would the devil lead them to avoid future sins and make them more careful to avoid his own temptations? No. Why? Because Jesus said in Matthew 12, every kingdom divided against itself it will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. And if Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself and how then can his kingdom stand? Listen, remember this. It was the Pharisees, the spirit of the Pharisees, that believed and told the people of their day that the work of Jesus Christ was of the devil. It was the Pharisees who did that. And understand that a person with an awakened conscience is the hardest person in the world to fool. That's why I said what's happening around the world and around our nation right now is an awakening. It is a spiritual awakening that is taking place. The consciousness of God is moving in and awakening the conscience of individuals from campuses to churches. I'm getting reports of churches all across the country. They're saying, God interrupted our services. And I say, praise God. Your people have been waiting for him to do so. <laughs> They're tired of your three songs, two points, and, and a, your little devotion, and out the door in 67 minutes. They're waiting for a move of God. Listen, the more awake a sinner's conscience is, the harder it is to quiet it down until it is really delivered from sin. 
Satan is not going to reveal the ugliness of sin, God's anger against sin, God, your lostness because of sin, the need of God's mercy to be saved, and the need for what God has commanded in the word to, be, to have salvation. If, if all those things are not happening, and God is, you see people coming to Christ, whether it's the way that you think it should be or not. But they're coming to Jesus, the true Jesus, not a false Jesus, not a made-up Jesus, but they're being truly repentant. See, I preached a series several years ago about the American Christianity and how we've changed the message of the gospel. Most churches, they, they've changed it to where it's simply about making a decision. We used to say in the old days, he said that we've had conversions. We had this many people converted to Christ. Why? Because conversion means change. When you go to a, a, a country that doesn't use the U.S. dollar, you have to exchange, you have to convert your money to the, the, the money that is used, type of money that is used in that country. And I've come home from many mission trips, and I have a drawer full of money from other countries that I can't use here. You know why? Because it's not made for this country. It's made for the country in which I picked it up. Somebody said, well, why didn't you convert it? Well, you know, when I was in Vietnam, I mean, it was like a dollar was like 7,000 dong. Dong. Not dong. Dong. Ding dong. You know, and so, you know, if I had like a couple hundred dong, well, it's like 28 cents. I don't, I hate carrying change. Anytime I get change, I give it to my wife. I say, here, put this in your purse. I don't want to carry loose change on me. I don't want pennies and nickels and stuff in my pockets. And so I'm just saying that the enemy is not going to, bring about conversion in our lives or do anything that's going to lead us that direction. He's trying to move us the opposite way. And listen, and I'm just going to say this, because some people, when they come to Christ, they, it, I've heard this oh, so much the last few weeks, this emotionalism, they call it. Can I just tell you that we're all made differently? We react differently. I have sisters that if you put the word Kodak in the dictionary, their picture's right next to it. Now, that's not relevant today, I guess, because that doesn't make sense. But it used to be that you had film and cameras, and you'd have to, and Kodak was the major player. They had to, I remember one of my sisters, she's watching, love you, baby. She's in making Georgia. So I guarantee you she's online right now. I remember the first time her little boy was this high. Let's go play putt-putt. She went through three rolls of 36 exposure film on 18 holes of putt-putt. Because every shot that we did, we had to re-pose for it, you know? I'm like, I mean, she, she invented the Kodak moment, <laughs> you know? And, and what I'm saying is that everybody responds differently, you know? And have you ever had people pull up? Oh, you got to see my grandchildren. And they, they just weep and cry about everyone, and you're like, oh, that's beautiful, that's beautiful, yeah. And, and see, they're, they're all mushy and gooshy about it, you know, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's cool, whatever, you know. 
I mean, we just react differently. If, if, and, and this was an illustration I learned years ago. If you took a hairpin, anybody know what I'm talking about? We used to call them bobby pins when I was a kid, but I don't think that's appropriate anymore. I don't know why. But a hairpin and spread it out and go stick it in that outlet right there. And you get 10 people to do it, they will all react, but they'll react differently. One will do it and go, ooh. Another one will do it and go, oh! Same thing, same current, nothing different. What happened? They responded differently. And what I'm here to tell you is that people respond differently when they come in contact with Jesus. Some will weep and cry. Others will shout and dance. Some will skip around and some will just sit there solemnly. And we cannot judge what is taking place in a person's life by the way they are or are not affected. What I look at is the fruit of the Spirit of God. If they are in love with Jesus and God is drawing them by His Spirit and they're set free and delivered, who am I to say it's not real? I got to move. When people come to love the Scriptures more, when people are persuaded to love the Scriptures, the truth of God's divine Word more, this is a sign of the work of the Spirit of God. First John 4 and 6. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. I mean, you can't get more plain than that. He's saying we're from God. In other words, we're apostles. He's speaking to the the teachings that they've handed down that the Spirit of God, Jesus taught them, and, and he's speaking to the word that the prophets have spoken over the years. Uh, and, and the devil is not going to try and get you to read this. I was taught all my life growing up, don't read this book, it'll mess you up. Come on, anybody taught that? It'll confuse you, it'll mess you up. Well, guess what? When I was about 15 years old, my life was so messed up already, I couldn't lose. I mean, I, when you're at the bottom, where can you go, right? I mean, you know what? And so I told you, I think I told you, first time I ever opened the Bible, I said, God, if you're real, show me. And it says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I <laughs> Woo! I felt, you know, I felt goosebumps go down my back. You know, I was like, oh, it's, he's the same? And I said, let me see if that works. And I did it again. And God, in his infinite mercy, didn't have me. Judas went out and hanged himself. You know. <laughs> but the next verse I read with my eyes, God is for me and not against me. I closed it and I said, I was told not to read this. This book is telling me something totally different from what I've been taught my whole life. The devil is not going to put a desire in your life to, to listen to the word of God because the word of God is truth. The de listen, 
the devil is not going to say what Abraham said in Luke 16, 29. And they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. He's not going to say what the words out of heaven came concerning Christ. The voice came from the cloud saying, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Would the spirit of error who's wanting to deceive people turn to God, have people turn to God's infallible word? No. Would they lead them to the scriptures that we know so well? No. Would the devil, the prince of darkness himself, lead us to the light of the Son of God in order to promote the kingdom of darkness? No. He wants darkness to reign. He doesn't want light thrown on this subject. He's always done all he can to put out the light and lead men away from light. He knows that this is the light and this word will overthrow his kingdom of darkness. He knows because he's had experience of the power of scripture to defeat his purposes and thwart his designs. The word of God is a constant plague on the kingdom of darkness. If you want to know how to wreak havoc on darkness and the principalities thereof, get in this word. Turn off your phone. Turn off your TV. Turn off whatever it is. Turn off whoever's in your ear. Turn them off and get in this right here. This is the main weapon that God uses against Lucifer. And listen, every text of the Bible is a torment to, the, to Satan. Every text is a torment to Satan. I even believe the, the parts where it says, so-and-so begat so-and-so who begat so-and-so. Why? Because it leads to Jesus. <laughs> it eventually leads to Jesus. And look, the devil will never try to persuade anyone to love this word and to read it. He will never do it. So when people come to value the Bible, not less, but more, you can be sure the work of God is happening in their lives. Number four, when people are led away from falsehood into truth. I'm not going to hammer this, but I'm just telling you. In 1 John 4 and 6, he tells us, one is the spirit of truth and one is the spirit of falsehood. And the vital difference between the spirit of God and any other spirit that may imitate his work Listen, the enemy is a great imitator, but his goal is not the same. His goal is to deceive you away from the truth. Jesus is the truth. He is the way. He is the light. If people become more aware that God is God, if, or that God is a God who hates sin, or that their own lives have fallen short 
and that at any moment they could stand before the Lord and their immortal, immortal souls be judged. When people realize that they're going to have to give an account to a holy God and when they realize that their sinfulness nature their, in their practice and their lifestyle, when they realize the helplessness in their lives, when people are brought back to sound doctrine that's found in this word, you can be sure it is a work of the Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you, it is the Holy Spirit who brings people into the light. It is not the spirit of darkness. Jesus tells us that Satan is a liar and he's the father of lies. His kingdom is a kingdom of darkness. His kingdom is upheld only by darkness and error. The demons are called the rulers of the darkness of this world. It is only God who brings us to the light and removes us from the darkness. And the last point is that when there is an increase in love for God and people, God and people, say that with me, God and people, then there is a work of God taking place. When people begin to love God and love other people with a genuine love, not a fake love, not a put-on love, not a religious love, but a genuine love, you can be sure Holy Spirit is working. That's what, the, it's what John, First John says, First John 4 and 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now, now you can't get it more plain than that. John is actually speaking of two different sorts of people again. There's a contrast here. He's talking about people who are led by two opposite spirits, and he's pointing out the contrast between the two of them. Love is one way to know whether or not the true spirit of God is at work in their lives. In other words, when I see people whose lives are being changed and they're being reconciled with their parents and reconciled with their siblings and reconciled with their friends and reconciled with their spouses and records when the spirit of God is at work and he they're not only loving God but they're loving one another and not just the, their inner circle but they're going beyond the inner circle and going to the ones that are out there and they're showing the same genuine love to the one out there who's sitting in the back all quiet and wonders if anybody even cares about them or loves them that is the spirit of God 1 John 4, verses 12 through 13. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. I mean, it's so clear. It's so clear. No one's seen God. Well, Tiger, you spoke on this some Wednesday night. When we love people, genuinely love them, you say, oh, they stink. They reek. 
I don't like the way they look. I don't like where they're from. I don't like their background. I don't like this. I don't like this. Can I tell you what? It's not about what you like. It's the love of God in you. It's the love of God in you. It's the love of God in you. If God's love dwells in us, then the Holy Spirit dwells in us. It's the same point that John makes in First uh, John 3, 22 and 33, First John 4 and 16. I'm not going to read all of those things. But he's basically saying love is the sign that the apostle gives of a true spiritual work in our lives. And it's almost like John emphasizes. In other words, you'll do this, you'll do this, you'll do this, you'll do this. But the most important thing is if you love one another. What did Jesus say to his disciples? By this will they know that you are my disciples by your love one for another. Years ago, when I was on a mission trip with some about 50 kids down in Central America, we were in, in uh, Honduras, and our, my Louisiana missionary friend that we were with, uh, we were helping clear land to, so they could build a new church up on the side of a mountain. And we were talking about churches and church building and planting and stuff. And I was in a church plant at that time. That's what, I mean, we, we started a church in South Louisiana where there was no Bible preaching church. And we got talking about that. And he, he turned to me and made this statement. I've never forgot it. Randy was crazy about a lot of things. But, man, this, this was like God. And he said, he said, the way we do churches here in Central America and the way y'all do it in North America is different. He said, we, 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 we build churches by addition. You do it by division. Some of you need to think on that for a minute. He tells us love for God and love for a fellow man is both important. And then he brings this out. He says that the love for one another springs from our love for God. Here's the thing. You want a test of whether, whether or not your relationship is right with God? How is your relationship with others? So you could say, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. To worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice. And then look across the room at that person. <laughs> they make me sick. You laugh. I've been in churches like that. I know church that divided because they couldn't agree on the color for the new carpet. And so on this side of the road was a little white church, and it was called Harmony Blank Church. Harmony. The irony of that in itself is just... You know what harmony is, right? 
It's different notes, but they blend together, make a beautiful sound. It's not everybody singing the same note. But they split because this group wanted blue carpet. This group wanted green carpet. And so the other group built right across the street. And the name of it was Greater Harmony Church. Over the color of carpet. All I could picture is when they got to heaven, they were going to see some color they didn't like, and Jesus go, you're not welcome. I never knew you. Really? Let me close this. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, 16 and 19, it says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. We love because he first loved us. We love. It's a command. It's not an option. So who is it that you're not loving? Oh, I got quiet. If the spirit at work makes us love Jesus and love others for all these reasons, then it must be a genuine work of God. I am not saying, please hear me now. I am not saying that we're not supposed to judge or discern works that claim to be of God. I am not saying that. I didn't say put on blinders and just swallow everything that comes down the pike, okay? But Jesus told us in the last days there would be those that would come that would try to deceive God's people. But we are to discern by the word of God, not by our likes and our preferences. I heard this pastor, he tearing down what took place. And he, he said in these words, he says, he says, and so here come these drug-induced, quote, former hippies into the church, making it what it was never supposed to be. And out went the hymns and out went the suits and ties and out went, I'm like, is that the critic? Is that the criteria? Suits and ties? Then Jesus wouldn't have been allowed because they found every fault with him. He eats with sinners. He eats with publicans. He's, he's traveling with a bunch of rowdies. Who is this guy? He ain't of God. The day we start judging people who walk through the door of this church by some measuring stick that you have, my friend, that will be the day I leave or you do or we repent. Because the only standard is the love of God and the love for this word. 
and the working of his spirit and it says no man comes to the father except the spirit draws him who am I to say how and where and who the Spirit of God will draw? I am looking for the hardest, the, the hardest heart. I am looking for the one who's the most bitter. I am looking for the one who's the most hurt to be drawn by the Spirit of God. I want people to walk through the door who say, I don't know how I ended up here today. I don't know how I came. I was driving by and something said, you need to go inside that building. And when I pray that when they walked in, there's people at the door and they're opening the door for them and they're smiling and they're welcoming and they're hugging them and helping them and just bringing them in to meet the Father. You may not know it, but when we change the name of this church to Life Church, life is an acronym. It stands for life is for everyone. And when the day it becomes not everyone, but a secluded few, then it is no longer life, it's death. It's religiosity. As long as I have breath in my lungs, it will be life is for everyone. We discern by the word, we discern by the Spirit of God who lives inside of us, who guides us and leads us and directs us into all truth. That's what Jesus said he comes to do. Ephesians 4 and 30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. My friends, let's be careful that we keep our mouths shut if necessary. If we don't understand something, go to God in prayer. If you need counsel, go find someone spiritually rooted in the Word. And it's okay to ask questions, but be careful that we don't do anything or say anything that grieves the Holy Spirit. And I'll, I'll give you this last warning, as I've said before a couple of weeks ago. In the book of Acts, when the Pharisees got together and they were judging Peter and John and all that was going on, and they said, we've got to do something to stop these people from speaking about this Jesus. And, and Gamaliel, the Pharisee said, he said this, he said, therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone <laughs> he said let them go for if their purpose and endeavor is of human origin it will fail but if it is from God you will not be able to stop them and you may even find yourselves fighting against God my friends, that's not a battle I'm looking for. I already know the end of the book, and he wins. The battle is the Lord's. I said the battle is the Lord's. The, the war is the, belongs to God, and he is already victor. He is already victor. Therefore, the church needs to walk in victory. We need to understand that where you go and whoever you talk to, you have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. You are there to break down the walls. Just like what happened here can happen out there. 
In fact, it, it must go from here and it must go out there because that's where they're at. Amen. Church, are you hearing me this morning? If you're hearing me and you're able to stand and say, Pastor, I'm in agreement. I'm in agreement. We're going to see. We're going to see God's work, God's church go forward and, and, and reach our cities, reach our schools, reach our towns, reach our families. Jesus, Holy Ghost. Right now. Some of you are thinking of someone whose whose heart whose heart is hard. Their mind is set against God. I want you right now to go lift them up to the Lord in prayer. Right where you're at, go after them. Holy Spirit, names are being spoken out right now. Speak their name out right now where they're at. I don't care who they are. I don't care how hard or difficult the situation is. Speak their name out right now. In the name of Jesus, Holy Ghost, go after them. Let the hounds of heaven be on their heels. Holy Spirit, convict them. Awaken their conscience. Awaken their conscience, Lord God, to who you are. Let them realize that if they continue down the road and the path they're on, that it leads to destruction and to death. God, let them cry out in your infinite mercy. Let them cry out the name of Jesus. We sang it earlier, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is the one who can set them free. God, we thank you for the move of your spirit that is moving across the land. But Father, it's just the tip of the iceberg. We haven't even begun to see a pouring out. We just begin to see a trickling of the rain of heaven itself upon our nation. God, we lift up America to you. We lift up the United States to you, Lord. We have left you. We have turned away from you. Founded upon the principles of your word. Founded upon the principles of righteousness. We have turned away. God, forgive us. We have blasphemed your name. And we have praised the unholy instead of the holy as a nation. God, have mercy. Have mercy on us. Draw America back to you. Draw the people of America back to you. God, awaken the church. We repent for our foolishness. We think that God somehow through our, our, our platitudes and, and our, our graceful oratory that somehow lives will be changed. God, we've, we've forgotten that your word says it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. God, forgive us, for we've erased any opportunity for your spirit to move. We've erased it. God, forgive us. Send the fire. Send the fire. Let it go from the pulpit to the pews, or from the pews to the pulpit. 
whichever way you want to do it, God. But light your church ablaze. Light your church ablaze with the Word of God. Let the Word, once again, resonate. I read this past week a quote that has just stuck me like BAM! Brother Josh did it with a mic. I did it with the Bible. <laughs> that don't hurt his bad. But I read this week. See, churches don't die. The voice of God in the church dies. And I said, God, let it never die at Life Church. Let it never die. And God, if you have to move pastors out of pulpits in Lafayette and surrounding area and put them in there with someone, they may not have the credentials or the documentation on the wall, but they'll look at them like Peter and John said, and they took note that they had been with Jesus. God, let the let them be raised up a generation of young people full of fire, full of Holy Ghost, full of anointing that when they speak, the mountains tremble, the demons tremble, darkness runs for cover. In the name of Jesus, let it be so. I said, let it be so, amen? Amen. Father, we bless you. We praise you. We glorify you, Lord. Thank you that we're alive at this time. Thank you for the very breath that you've given us. Thank you for the opportunities that we have each and every day. Let us wake up in the morning and instead of approaching the day with dread, let us approach the day with enthusiasm that God we have one more day to speak your name, Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus. It's Jesus. Come on. Jesus against strongholds in Lafayette and surrounding area, the Acadia parishes, surrounding area, Lord. Let the strongholds be brought down. Strongholds of darkness be brought down in the name of Jesus. Let the very foundations of them begin to crumble even now as we speak his name. Jesus. Jesus. Come on. Come on. The Lord's working here. 
He's tearing down strongholds in the hearts of individuals. He's breaking through. He's breaking through. He's breaking through right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Even as a hammer hits the chisel and against the rock, begins to strike it. It's one blow away from shattering down that stronghold. someone here don't don't believe the lie that the enemy tells you that you'll never be delivered of the bondage in your life you have already been delivered in Jesus name
this day is that word fulfilled in your ears in your hearts and in your lives genuine freedom liberty to all the captives whatever bondage you came in with whatever thing ruled your heart whether physically mentally emotionally that bondage is broken in Jesus name on the first Sunday of March 2023 Jesus has broken that bondage off of you yes. when you walk out the doors you walk out and look out across the parking lot you look out at the sky and and you can yell it if you want to but you say I am free in Jesus name I am free in Jesus name make that declaration today make that declaration when you walk out of this place today in Jesus name amen amen if you need special prayer for anything that I can imagine we haven't prayed for but if you do come on up and we'll pray for you you can stay in worship whatever god bless you it's impossible for the god who works impossible things out for the good of those who love and are called according to his purpose nothing is impossible for the god who works impossible things out for the good Oh,
a God who works impossible things out for good. Oh, in Jesus, possible for the God who works impossible things out for good. Who are called according to His purpose. Nothing is impossible for the God who works impossible things out for the good of Who are called according to His purpose. Nothing is impossible for the God who works impossible things out for the good of those who are called according to His purpose. And who the sun sets free is free indeed. Who the sun sets free is free
Your throne within. 